Welcome to Our Creator Calls, where we seek truth together. For as long as I can remember, I've been inquisitive and curious about the world around me. When I was in school, I asked questions a lot of other kids didn't want to ask because maybe they were too shy or didn't want to look stupid. Some kids told me privately they wouldn't know what was going on in class if I had not spoken up and asked the teacher to explain. I was often told that I asked too many questions. Given my propensity to ask why, it's no wonder I became a broadcast journalist. I love interviewing people, finding out about their lives, and seeking truth. And then, when I was 34, my life radically changed when I encountered the ultimate truth, Jesus Christ. And he said, come follow me. Six months later, I resigned from my position at a radio station near my hometown, where I had delivered the morning news, managed the newsroom, and produced a daily current affairs program. Jesus had another plan for my life including traveling to several countries and then going to a specific church in Vancouver on a rainy day in mid-November 1998, where I met my husband, John. We were married nine months later. I remember when John first told me about the question that dramatically changed his life. What's getting in the way of me getting closer to you, God? That question inspired this podcast. So I asked John to join us today to share his story about discovering the stumbling blocks that were preventing him from knowing our Creator in a deeper way. A voice, a voice calling in your wilderness. Well, hello, John. This is a special (laughs) interview for me, as you already know. And uh, even though I've heard this story many times, and really it was an inspiration to me for this entire show, Can you share with people, can you share with our listeners what it was that got you to the point where you were dealing with that blockage or whatever it was that was keeping you from knowing God deeper? Sure. Well, I had been on a, what I call a conscious spiritual journey, learning about Jesus for about three and a half years. And I, I was really moved by the, my love for people of South Africa and the injustices that I learned that were happening there. And so I went on a journey as a volunteer with different organizations, helping with interracial youth. And at one point I was, I was with a group, they were called the harvest team and it was a group of youth. And we were going to be put in a, on a band and others in drama teams. And I'm going to go out and share the good news that Jesus brings uh, uh, unity and, and healing, uh, and and so I was part of this uh, this group. And each day we would have a time to go off by ourselves and journal, um, just you know, called quiet time, talk with God. And I remember playing my guitar and just kind of singing out some of my frustrations that day. And later that evening, just before bed, I wrote in my journal, you know, what had been going on in my heart and my mind. And I just asked God, I said, what's getting in the way of me getting closer to you? And I closed my journal, turned off the light. And I woke up early in the morning with like a whisper. Um, What I now see is like spirit to spirit. 
and I really sensed for the first time that I was hearing from God. It was what the Bible calls that still small voice. And I just knew that I was hearing from God. He probably was speaking to me many times throughout my life. And I can think of different signposts when I look back, but this is when I knew for the first time that I was hearing from God. Um, I, I, I heard ask for prayer. That's what I woke up to. And there was a time of, of worship and prayer that evening. And that's when something miraculous happened. And I became very much aware of God's power and the power in Jesus name with those who know the authority that they have in Christ. So when you say that you knew that this was God speaking to you, a lot of people say, well, how did you know? You said spirit to spirit. So how did you know? How would you describe that? Well, I had just come out of a very, um, kind of a bit of a frightening dream where I was, I was being cornered in an alley by um, street youth. And I actually ended up working with street youth later, but it was a very peaceful, it was a peaceful voice. And I think in our lives, we know that there are times where we've acted on an anxious unction, perhaps even an anxious uh, leading, maybe even some people a voice, but I just sensed it was like a whisper in my spirit, ask for prayer. And again, I go back to the scripture, you know, God can, one of the ways he can speak to us is in a still small voice. I believe that God is spirit. I believe that we're spirit. And there was just something there that I just knew. And it was in line with scripture. He was in answer to my question, what's getting in the way of me getting closer to you? I believe I was hearing from God saying, ask for prayer as the first step in that process. So, so where did you go after that? What happened after you heard that? Well, we were that night, there was a, a time of worship and prayer. We were in an auditorium, a band was playing, we were singing songs and, and worship to God. Um, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. So where people are genuinely worshiping, giving thanks, praising God for who he is, he, he shows up. And there was a, a last call for prayer given. And I was going on and I had an internal struggle going on. And so I kind of reluctantly put my hand up. Um, but it was out of obedience because I knew I was asked to do it. And so, okay, I will put my hand up and ask for prayer. So the guy who was leading the whole evening, he, he came up and he, uh, he started to pray for me. Uh, I started to get really agitated. Um, he had, uh, he'd been praying and uh, I guess with some people I had not experienced before. I had been in, involved in churches that didn't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit today because we have the Bible now is what I was told. So that's why I say I was learning about Jesus because I believe I was about to meet him in his power. And so because I was speaking in tongues. There was, it was in a, a heavenly language as it's, as it's called. And I didn't understand what he was saying, but I, I was feeling very agitated. 
And so he stopped and because he couldn't, he could tell that I was. And he said, how about we go off down to the side? Because I was sitting towards the back of the auditorium. So we went off and sat down on the flo ground floor, way off to the side, away from everyone, basically the opposite side of the room. And before we'd gone down there, how he, he gave me peace of mind, as he said, how about we pray some more? He actually said, how about we talk to God some more? Uh, maybe he'll do something now, maybe he won't, or maybe he'll do something later. So that gave me peace of mind. Again, he started to pray for me and all of a sudden, boom, I was no longer in control. And there was a deep guttural howling coming out of my mouth. All eyes in the room were on me. There was something that had a hold on me that was now exposed in the light. It was something that was getting in the way of me getting closer to God. It was being revealed. And so I was carried to out of the building to another, another building. That's a lot what you've just said. And for some yeah. people, they might say, whoa, that's just really weird. You know? So how did you feel when this was happening to you? Were you, <laughs> you know, really, were you aware of this? Did you know what was going on? What was happening for you? Uh, I was, I was, I was frightened. I had never seen or heard anything like this happening before, but immediately I knew, okay, I'd read about this kind of thing happening in the Bible. <laughs> Just never experienced it in where I live in Canada. And no one had ever talked about it. Uh, I'd never witnessed it or heard about it. So yes, I was, I was quite frightened. Uh, there was about five young people in the room and the leader who had been praying for me. Um, nobody really seemed to know what to do next or what they were doing. So without getting into the details here, maybe that'll be in another time we talk or yeah, another time we talk perhaps. But it was when a woman walked into the room who knew the authority that she had in Jesus. She said, in the name of Jesus, be still. And my body that was on the ground that was flailing around uh, became still and peaceful. Uh, and what was coming out of my mouth, the howling, she said, in the name of Jesus, be quiet. And it was quiet. And then I believe she whispered in the ear of the guy who had been praying for me. And then he asked me a question. It was, what's your relationship like with your mother? And boom, it was like I was seeing a close up of a movie screen on my mother's face. And then what was revealed to me through a physical action, again, I feel to take pause before this Gaitan and I prayed about what to share now, what not to share. But I'll just say this, that it was revealed to me that there was a hidden hatred in my heart towards my mother because of hurtful actions and words that she had said right to my face. And I felt stuck. They asked if I could forgive her. 
I didn't feel like there was anything I wanted to, but I didn't feel like there was anything in me that could. Something had a hold on me that was keeping me from being able to do what freely is the right thing to do, is to forgive people when they have hurt us because it chains us to them and the hurt and then infects every other relationship we have until we're able to forgive them. And sometimes we have to keep forgiving them because it's in layers. It's not all linear, it's in layers. And I think part of the human condition is we can only handle and deal with so much at once. That's been the case for my life. How they helped me to forgive her and become free was they asked me to picture Jesus on the cross. And he's bled and died to forgive me for all my wrongs, all my sins. I'm standing on one side of that cross and the picture of my mother standing on the other side of that cross. In receiving Christ's forgiveness, can I not extend that towards my mother? So I chose to do that. I chose to physically extend my hand out to my mother in my mind. And I literally felt a feeling of forgiveness like I never experienced before flow. So it was love, warmth, like a, an electrical current flow to me through and then through me to my mother. Then in Jesus name, they cut off that demonic presence that had a right to be there, a legal right to be there because of this unforgiveness hidden in my heart. Now, I was a little confused when I thought back about it because, well, I had forgiven, mm -hmm. but God was showing me that it had to come deep from a deeper place than just a mental forgiveness. And he was also showing me that it really had to come through the power of Christ's forgiveness. Mm -hmm. There is the human forgiveness, which only goes to a certain extent. That's what I learned through that. There was a couple other things that came up, but that was the only thing that was dealt with that night. And the next day, so they then, then prayed for God by his Holy Spirit to flood that corner of my heart with his love, his light, his presence, to seal that off, to send this demonic presence to where Jesus said to go, never to return. That's a very important thing. Because if you just clean out the darkness, but don't flood that place with light, fill that place with light and stay in that place, then as it says in the Bible, seven more are going to come back even worse. And you'll be in a worse condition than you were before. So the next day, people said they saw a light in my eyes that wasn't there the day before. Did you feel different after that experience? I mean, that's a... A, profound, <laughs> a profound experience. Did you feel like something was different about you at that point? Well, I woke up really early the next morning. I was the only one up and out. It was a sun at sunrise. Sometime after sunrise, I was looking out over the African countryside 
And I threw my arms out to my side and said, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. But I knew that it did. I knew I could never be the same. Yeah, I felt lighter, uh, but I knew I couldn't. And I felt a release and a relief that I'd never felt before. But I also, like I just said, I could never, life could never be the same. My whole worldview was changed. That would be what they call a paradigm shift. Because you'd been a Christian, you said at that point, for three and a half years, but just not really experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. So what happened after that, from that experience, realizing that you had actually been under some fairly profound, I guess, influence from powers of darkness because of this unforgiveness, that would be why Jesus wants us to forgive, because it gives a... Uh, an influence, a doorway for powers of darkness to control us when we don't forgive other people. So where did you go after that? What did you do with this new information that you had, this experience that you had just gone through? Well, I'm trying to decide whether I go to immediately what happened next. Because I, I think that's important before I can, I can move on to when I left Africa. Okay. So there was, there was one, one more deliverance experience that I went through before heading back to North America. And so the next day after this first experience of being delivered from unforgiveness hidden in my heart was the choosing of the drama teams and the band. I had auditioned for the band. I had an experience in theater and drama, that was my first love in, in the arts, but I really wanted to be the lead singer of the band. Now, this is in the dying throes of apartheid. So there's, there's no way a white guy was going to be chosen and rightfully so they, they want, they chose a, a black gal to be the lead singer. So I wasn't happy that I wasn't, I wasn't put in the band. I was put in a drama team that happened to be led by the guy who had initially prayed for me and he had chosen to do a dance drama to us their very first thing a dance drama to a song about abortion okay uh, i didn't really have much to any knowledge on the subject i'd heard about it but never really thought about it and so I was one of the three people chosen to begin the dance drama. And so we were taking a few steps while we did a scooping out motion of the womb. And I started to get really dizzy and, and nauseous. I shook it off. You know, I literally had to stop myself, brace myself from hitting the ground and blacking out. Shook it off. We started again. Same thing. Okay, something was coming up. I was taken to another room. They started praying for me again. Uh, it didn't, didn't go anywhere. Uh, they didn't know what to do. I was then basically, for lack of a better term, kicked out of the harvest team. Because <laughs> in short story, that's what ended up what happening. I then found myself 
in a, a flat, as they call it, uh, above a missions organization, um, just a couple blocks away from Rocky Street, just next to Hillbrow, notoriously dark and dangerous downtown area of Johannesburg. And I went through a very, very, very dark time questioning what happened to me? What really happened to me? Before being kicked out of the harvest team, I had asked the guy who had prayed for me, you know, what happened? Could you help me understand? And he shrugged it off and said it was normal and walked away. That wasn't good enough. I was given a, a book by a, a gal I met that dealt with some deep spiritual matters and, and the power of Christ um, over the demonic. And so I read those, but I was, I started to get really depressed. I could say I started to read them. I didn't finish them right away, uh, but I started to get really depressed. Uh, didn't leave the flat uh, at all for two weeks, except to go outside and buy some fruit from a street vendor. And so it wasn't healthy, but there was a guitar in the corner. And I guess you would say this is the second time I knew I was hearing from God because I had this spirit to spirit whisper, pick up that guitar and go play on the street. So that's what I did. I picked up guitar, I tuned it. I went to play a song that I'd written called Pitiful State. What's this pitiful state I'm in? Some call it madness, some call it sin. The old is dying, the new won't be born. I want to celebrate my life, but instead I mourn. So that's a bit of a struggle that could go on, I think, for a lot of new believers. And I would say perhaps, especially for those who might have come to faith through a belief system that doesn't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit for today, because it's impossible to live and as a true follower of Christ, as a true disciple of Christ without having his power. Otherwise, it's just words. So I went out and I started, I was playing that song and a, a leader of a street, a gang of street youth, all black guys that had escaped township violence because it was safer to live on the street than in the townships and they shared stories uh, i can share another time along those lines and he came up to me and he said are you christ's messenger <laughs> uh I, I did not feel that way i just kind of shrugged and gave him a half smile and i ended up befriending befriending those guys and he and a couple other 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 ones so those guys his name's tabo happiness lost contact with him but hey if you're out there or if anybody knows him, you know, he, he became a believer. He, he got off the street. Uh, yeah. So I'll skip quickly ahead from there. I was then, uh, ended up in a, staying in a, in a suburb. I moved further away from the city into a suburb, uh, a white suburb. And I, again, a very dark place. I guess this would be the third time I sensed God's leaning um, direction and I sensed to do something I'd never even thought you could do um, to look in the yellow pages for a church that 
advertise they had a deliverance ministry. <laughs> I found one and uh, within uh, two days when I knew I'd be alone in the house, uh, they came over and because I was, my mind was going to very dark places and giving me dark suggestions that I would never think of. So I would speak to this first is if you have a thought that comes to your mind and Gaitan might speak to this more, it's, it's either your own thought, it's coming from God, or it's coming from a darker place that wants, which is basically demonic Satan. And so I don't know if you want to interject there before I tell what happened with the deliverance ministry. Yeah, I think it might be worth just to spend a little bit of time on that because so many people deal with this all the time. So they're getting all these thoughts. I've had thoughts come to my mind, especially uh, previously years ago. But even now, you know, the enemy, we have to understand that there are dark forces that really do hate human beings. And they, can, they can't they can read your thoughts, but they can put thoughts into your mind. And so like like you said, right, There's there are, the thoughts are either coming from God or from just, you know, our flesh, things that we've just thought of or whatever, our own carnal nature, or they're coming from dark forces, demonic influences. And the more that we have opened ourselves up to demonic influences through what we consume with our eyes, our ears, what we, you know, see, all of those things can really make it more of an influence that can affect us all the time. And so we have to ask ourselves, okay, where is that thought coming from? Where is it coming from? Is it coming from me? Is it coming from God? And we can tell that by what it's saying. So if it's saying something, you know, really against you, your horrible, you know, lies, essentially, then you know that it's coming from a dark source that wants you to believe a lie. And I, I think we're seeing a lot of that kind of thing probably more so now than ever before in our in our culture. And people don't realize where these things are coming from. They might have more sensitivity to the spiritual realm, and they don't know what to do with all these thoughts. And, and sometimes it can lead to real tragedy, right? So, Yeah. And we can both think of, of many of those stories. And mm-hmm. I'll just say to anybody that might be struggling with those thoughts or had those thoughts, Find somebody that you can trust to talk to about them. But first, just go to God and say, hey, even if you don't believe in him, God, if you're real, show me where these thoughts are coming from and where I can get help to deal with them. And he yeah. will answer you. He will answer you. Ah, he's, waiting I, uh... to, he's waiting to answer. So <laughs> so what happened after that? I mean, you've you've already gone through a yeah. lot here. And plus, you're in a you're in a foreign country. You're in a very different culture than being, you know, living in the lower mainland in Canada, very, very different. So what happened after that? Well, God was, God was continuing to answer my prayer. What was getting in the way of me getting closer to you? So the group came in, I get, let them know a little bit of what was going on without getting into details, but that's they knew they were coming there for that. I was going through some struggles and I needed, I knew I needed some help. So they started praying for me and he was looking at my eye, looking me right in the eye, but he could tell that he was looking at something else um, that was influencing me. He could see that somehow in my eyes, something was brought to the surface as they were praying for me. 
there was a group of people they started to to worship and pray and and as actually as soon as he started to pray i involuntarily went down into the kundalini pose which is a pose of yoga okay uh again i'm in another situation where i'm going what's going on <laughs> uh but in jesus name they cast out the kundalini spirit and again prayed in the holy spirit to flood and cleanse that corner of my heart that i had unknowingly given over to this demonic presence what are you talking about i didn't do yoga oh that pose i used to do that pose every day for four years in drama class at high school our drama teacher i love the guy my favorite teacher from all of high school so he didn't know that this was not only influencing me but every single person that went through his class was the sun salutations that we did is just to warm up our body to be able to move freely as an actor there's the there's yoga poses all throughout it and it's sun worship so i was doing the kundalini pose so something had gained it gained entry entry into my life because i was doing that even though i was unaware so there was no longer that struggle no longer with those deep dark thoughts i knew where they were coming from and they were gone and so i took all that back home and i had spiritual culture shock because mm -hmm. i'm sitting there on granville island enjoying a snack you know seagulls are around and i had gone through a lot there not just spiritually i had been in places declared war zones i had seen police brutality against homeless black people against old people living on the street um i'd witnessed and experienced so much and then here i am back in canada and living on north vancouver in north vancouver when i just looked around and i felt we're in sleepy apatheticville here we don't see this or experience this spiritual realm that's going on all around us and in and through us I've traveled, I haven't been to Africa, but I've been to other countries and I know exactly what you're talking about. It's just so almost surreal because you experience things in other cultures that, because some cultures are, they're, they're more aware of the spirit realm than we are in Canada or the U.S. Depends on your background and, and all of that, right? But I, I think for a lot of people, even a lot of Christians, you know, it's, um, or people who who maybe even believe that there is something more than just the physicality of who we are, if they've never experienced it, it's hard for people to really put their minds around it to grasp, to grasp what it is, the spirit realm. And yet, from my experience, it's more real than what we experience in our, you know, 3D experience, right? 
There you go. There's yeah. a siren going by as we're talking. I think that might be a <laughs> that might be a sign about things to come. You know, we need to be more aware of what's going on. So you were different when you came back. How did you how'd you deal with that? I mean, how'd you deal with when you left for Africa and when you came back? You've gone through so much spiritually and also the experiences that you had. You were a changed person. So what did you do with that? I remember one of the first things I did was uh with a fellow actor from high school I really respect. And as an actor and as a person, I knew he, he would probably think this was really strange, but I shared with him what happened. It's not the first thing, but it's the first thing that came to mind. Uh, I, I remember sharing with him about, about what happened uh, with the Kundalini spirit and how that was connected to the yoga. And he just kind of looked at me kind of like, uh, I was a little crazy maybe, but you know, he listened to me and perhaps he considered it, but it never went any further than that. Yoga was really not anywhere near the halfway near the thing it is now. There was, you know, not really yoga studio studios or anything. Um, so I kind of learned people aren't going to really listen to me. I tried to share about it. But the actual, the, what the first thing I, I did with that information is of what happened to me was my, my mother picked me up from the airport and we were driving back to the North shore. And as we were going across the Ironworker Memorial Bridge, uh, I was right in the middle of my story of telling her what happened about the dance drama that I started to black out. I couldn't do it. So I was just talking to her about stories. And that's when she told me what I call a piece to the puzzle. And she said, basically, my spirit was connecting with something that had happened when I was in the womb. And my mom's not, she's a very spiritual person, but she's not, she wasn't a Christian. And she basically told me a story that my conception, my parents weren't together. They were co-workers on a passenger freighter. My mom came from British Guyana in South America. And they were on a, my dad's from Canada. He's from Vancouver area. And so they were on a passenger freighter that went back and forth between basically Montreal and, and Guyana. And a, a relative gave my dad some morning after pills uh, for the morning after. Uh, my parents uh, got a little too close, I guess, for comfort, because when we go there, uh, a baby can happen. And they didn't know each other well enough. Uh, and it wouldn't have been a healthy thing. And it wasn't a healthy thing. But in the end, the pills didn't work. I mean, my mother went back to, to Guyana. Um, she was still pregnant. So she wrote to my dad who listened to his parents who said he should do the right thing and marry her. So he sent for her though. He didn't have the money. Um, she paid for her flight and she came here and I'm glad she did. Uh, I'm glad I was born in Canada. I would have been happy to be alive and, and in Guyana man, but I would have sounded a little different and I never would have met my lovely way who is interviewing me here. So yeah, that was, that was major. That was major, but it made sense to the deep 
deep-seated sense of rejection that I've had and had my whole life. So that, that was a big piece to the puzzle. And then a series of things happened after that that led me to trying to speak out, trying to let people know, hey, we're spirit. It's not just a choice. It's, it's a real human being that we're choosing to terminate or abort. And there is a consequence, not only obviously for the person that's no longer there, there's a consequence for the mother, there's a consequence for the father, there's a consequence for the grandparents, for the siblings, for those who will never get to know that person. And then it affects our communities and it empowers that darkness with, it gets in the way of everybody involved in that scenario, getting closer to God. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. Well, as I said at the beginning, your story really was an inspiration to me about there's so many things I could talk about on this show. I've wanted to do it for a long time. There was uh, so many people to interview, so many subjects that you could talk about. But really, I wanted to say what's getting in the way of me getting closer to God. I think that's a question that every single human being needs to ask. Why am I not closer to God? What's getting in the way? And as you and I have both learned through our journeys, the you know God brought us together. We could do a whole show on that. Maybe we will in some other time. Um, because we both had so much that we've gone through, but really we've, we've learned that this is a really major factor that's getting in the way of people getting closer to God. And people might say, well, well, how's that? How's that possible? Right. And we were talking even before we did the interview, you know, do we even talk about this? Because it's not popular. Nobody wants to hear it. But when you think about it, what is going on in our world? What is going on in our world? Why are so many strange things happening right now and have been throughout time, but it just seems like things are really amping up right now. And it is my contention, and I know that, that you understand this because of what you've gone through, that there's something really powerful about a human life. And that's why people who are practicing darkness, that's why there's child sacrifice. That's why there's human sacrifice. Not a fun thing to talk about. It's very dark, but it is a reality and it's happening all the time and people don't even realize it. And every time, because every time that human life, especially if it's an innocent life, you know, younger, the better in terms of the power that it gives, that gives power to darkness. And we're seeing that over and over again with all of the not just abortion, but because what are you aborting? You're aborting a human life. Whether you acknowledge that, whether you believe that, that is what you are ending is a, a human life. And you see that. And I believe that this is, is causing a amping up of power for darkness that is then coming against us, making it more difficult for people to know their creator making it more difficult for us to love one another, just making it more difficult, period. Yeah. Yeah. And I had mentioned that there was three things that were brought into the light after I asked. 
what's getting in the way of me getting closer to you. And only two were dealt with. Unfortunately, but it happened. Unfortunately, the Harvest team kicked me out. And there's a whole story to that. It was the choice of one leader who was left in control one day when all the other leaders were gone. And so I think perhaps if I was allowed to stay on, not in a pivotal role, but a behind the scenes role, like another leader had said, oh, they're killing you, man. A leader from uh, Soweto had said to me, um, he said, they should let you just be like the roadie and help with the sound for the band. Uh, then perhaps I would have been around them, more prayer, and perhaps around that woman who knew the authority she had in Christ and been able to deal with some of those other things. Because uh, though when you asked me, Gaetan, of, you know, what did you do with that? You know, I was able to share a little bit here and there on those two issues of the yoga and, and human life being there from conception on. And there being a real person, a real spirit there who can feel my spirit felt my parents rejection when they took the drugs that were supposed to take care of it. They were told these will take care of it. My spirit felt that. Those two things were kind of dealt with in terms of the deliverance from the unforgiveness and from the Kundalini spirit, the yoga, the one or the other thing came up in the room that day. It was very apparent, but if I had been perhaps, perhaps it could have been dealt with, but I think I lacked, I lacked spiritual authority. I lacked the ability to love my wife and my family, right? Because there are things in my life that I have struggled with this being one of them, not just the other things from the family I grew up in and all their generational garbage and dysfunction. I'm sure many people listening to this can relate to, but there was one area that just recently, um, I believe God showed me was that this area that came up way back then, hadn't been fully dealt with. Uh, I don't think, yeah, had not been fully dealt with. And that's something I'd like to talk about in the future. And uh, a group I was praying with online uh, helped me actually recently, like a couple weeks ago, helped me deal with some of that. And it was during that time that I was able to see and hear. That issue came up way back then. It hasn't been dealt with yet. Not fully, probably not in a large way. And then other things in praying with you, Gaetan, as you know, other things came up way, way back when I was an infant that are hard to come to terms with. Uh, most of us don't remember back to when we were infants and even can be, have things that happened to us as children we can go blank on because it's so painful and traumatic and it's a way for us to survive and to get through it. And then through the rest of our life, we have different coping mechanisms when different things trigger those areas. And we end up then not seeing our loved ones as our loved ones, but as an attack. And we lash out in pain and it comes out in anger 
and very, 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 very hurtful ways. And those are things that I would like to unpack with you, Gaitan, in the future that could, because I want to help other people not make those same mistakes, perhaps like never happened for me back with the harvest team is not just kick people on down the road who are difficult, um, but, but also encourage people to ask for help. If you're a guy and you're struggling with thoughts and the way you treat your wife and your kids, get some help. And it might not be easy. It's not easy. It might be not until the fifth counselor that you see that they know what the hell they're doing. And that's been the case in my life. Uh, and, and find one that actually knows the authority they have in Christ. Even if you're not a believer, um, somebody that's not religious, but has a genuine relationship with Christ and allows you to be who you are and speak freely, but has some knowledge in that area. Cause it's often a spiritual issue is underneath the emotional and the relational stuff that we've gone through that creates those triggers and yeah, we want to love each other. We want to, this is about being in right relationship with each other. And so what's getting in the way of us being in right relationship with each other, what's getting in the right way of us being in right relationship with our creator who loves us and gives us free choice to choose not to love him. Yeah, he definitely does allow us to choose not to love him, to mock him, to hate him all of those things. And yet he's always there with open arms. And I didn't come to meet him till I was 34. And I don't even know, even though I was a very capable person, I don't even know how I lived without him for all those years. Well, we could talk for a lot of time uh, after this, but I think uh, let's end it on that. And why don't we, for those that are listening um, and will listen, uh, I just, let's pray for, for people because we live in a time where it seems like people are, there's still a lot of, you know, goodness in the world, I think, but people are also really mean to one another, even more so, I think, than I've ever seen on social media, especially where you could be anonymous. You know, people are distracted, people are, you know, disinterested, uh, distanced from other people, feeling that compassion that they would have for another person who's having a difficult time or who's going through something maybe being beaten up right in front of them. I mean, we've seen stuff like that on, on, um, on social media. Why don't we pray for people, uh, just to, to end off here. We could talk again, maybe another time we'll have a continuation of this interview because all the things we talked about, we could have gone on a whole other tangent, um, about each subject, you know, but, uh, yeah. do you want to lead us off then John? And we'll just, uh, end off there for sure. now. Well, father, you know, I wasn't, like totally into doing this interview, but I was just, that's why I said, whatever Tan wanted to talk about, we'd talk about and so I'm thankful for it. And it's out there, <laughs> it's gonna be out there. So I ask Father that you would bless people through it. He'd also protect us from reprise uh, or re retaliation from the enemy and perhaps those being used by the enemy because people work uh, or the enemy only can work through people basically that that uh, haven't given certain areas uh, of their life over to you. But uh, so thank you for that. And I just want to pray for those, uh, especially who have been 
some part of an abortion experience, whether that's the person committing the abortion, the person getting the abortion, those who uh, pushed uh, a woman to get an abortion, uh, the family members that uh, are missing out, uh, um, the, the, the fathers that didn't have a choice. Uh, just pray for, for healing. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There is forgiveness that's very, very real for you. One thing that women who were post-abortive said to us the most, they were able to receive, at least intellectually, that Christ forgave them, but it was the hardest thing for them to do to forgive themselves, especially where it was their choice. So help them to forgive themselves, like we have seen many on the, the journey that we've been on. And thank you for your light and your love and your hope, Father, for, for all those people affected by abortion. I ask that you put an end to abortion on demand in our country. It's possible. It's possible. But before you do that, I ask that you would put things in place and let women know that there is help for them, that they're not alone. Because I, I always believe there should be love before legislation, love before legislation, or it's heartless, really, uh, because women already feel like they don't have a choice when they choose abortion. So they need to be, it needs to be so clear that they have many choices and for free, for free. Um, we can support uh, children are a blessing and they're a gift more than anything else uh, so thank you father and uh, and for those that are uh, having uh, feelings or thoughts and uh, and in this prayer i'll share uh, i'll leave it at that but for those that are having feelings and thoughts uh, encourage them guide them to the right place the safe place the safe people um, and if it's just with you know let them know that you're meeting with them and, but if they need help with, the, with deliverance, uh, that you would lead them to the right place, the right people who would do that. And, and it can happen in person. It can also happen over online, believe it or not, as happened to me recently. It's just got to be the right people. Um, and thank you for your light and your love, Father. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yes, uh, thank you. I just concur with everything John just prayed. And we just ask, Father, that you... I know that you are waiting with open arms. You allowed people, all of us, to know you. You want each and every one of us to know you. And you made that possible by coming as Jesus Christ and dying on our behalf and resurrecting so that we can be connected to eternal life once again. It's a free gift. And I thank you, Father. I thank you for... People who are listening, I pray that this message would go out to people, whoever needs to hear it, to know that whatever you're going through, whatever it is, whatever you think that you've done that is unforgivable, it is forgivable. You just need to come to the one who can forgive you and ask for forgiveness and realize that you need that forgiveness. Jesus came to set the captives free. And I was captive, John was captive, and we're both free now, but we're still in process, and it's a process that goes on for the rest of our lives until you return. So I just thank you, and I ask that many will come to know you, and I believe that in these days, we're going to see 
a lot more supernatural activity, way more in the forefront. I think it's going to become way more obvious and not so hidden. And I pray that that we will be able to handle that because you've already overcome the world. And may we know you and realize that so that we can handle it when it happens. Thank you, John. Thanks, Gates. Appreciate your time. Love you. Love you too. A voice, a voice calling in your wilderness. Our creator, Yahweh, has always wanted human beings to be a family and to spread his love, life, and truth throughout the earth. After he created Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, he only set one boundary. They needed to trust him about what is good and what is evil. Yahweh wanted to protect his new human family from believing lies that would lead them into bondage and cause a separation between them. Our Creator is the only omniscient one, able to truly discern what's good from what's evil. He warned Adam and Eve that if they disobeyed and ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they would surely die, because in so doing they would separate themselves from His holy presence, the source of eternal life. Sadly, instead of believing the truth, the first human beings chose to believe a lie. Adam and Eve were seduced by the serpent, who promised they could be like gods and have hidden knowledge if they ate from the forbidden tree. By making that choice, they lost the authority that Yahweh had given them to steward the earth as his representatives. Just as he had warned, the consequence of their sin was death because they were no longer connected to the source of eternal life. Yahweh knew from the very beginning, though, that human beings would choose to go our own way, and he's always had a way for us to come back into relationship with him. Our Most High and Almighty Creator loved us so much that He allowed His eternal Holy Spirit to be incarnated into a physical human body of flesh and bone. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is Yahweh's only begotten Son, God with us. The Hebrew name for Jesus is Yeshua, which means Yahweh's salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus was tempted and had the same freedom to disobey our Father in heaven that we all have, yet he never sinned. He allowed himself to be crucified as a perfect sacrifice because he's the only one who could reconnect us to the source of eternal life. John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now through Jesus, every single human being can have a personal relationship with our loving Creator Yahweh and not die because Jesus covers us with his perfect righteousness. That's why he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. All we have to do is believe the truth and choose to receive Jesus as our Savior. When I accepted that Jesus is the truth that I had been seeking and the only way to eternal life, I was forever changed. 
In that moment, Jesus rescued me out of the kingdom of darkness and delivered me into his kingdom of glorious light. He truly set this captive free. So what about you? Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. When you're ready to receive Jesus as your Savior, just talk to him. He's waiting for you with open arms. You can pray to him something like this. Jesus, I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Our Creator calls. Are you listening? There is one love, one truth, one way to know. When you turn to the sun, all darkness must go. A voice, a voice calling in your wilderness.